Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Just before we jump in, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method coaching service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and the first program you will see lasting results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. I'm so excited to bring you today's Women's Health thyroid and metabolism expert, dietitian Lacey Dunn. Lacey has a master's in nutrition, a bachelor's in dietetics, is a certified personal trainer and a functional medicine nutrition specialist in training. Lacey helps clients through an evidence-based yet functional medicine lens that focuses on her client's lifestyle, history, and specific health needs. She works with them to help her clients reclaim their health and happiness and feel like their best selves. On today's podcast, Lacey and I chat all things women's health, thyroid, hormones, and metabolism. We start by chatting about how Lacey got into bodybuilding and what made her want to specialize in women's health issues. We then talk about some signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalances and common trends she sees regarding thyroid imbalances and hormone health. Lacey tells us the best ways to test for thyroid and hormonal problems and how the contraceptive pill can affect testing. She gives us the rundown on cortisol and how it affects overall health and well-being and how we can test for it. We also discuss how nutrition affects cortisol levels. Next, Lacey chats to our listeners about thyroid health and the impacts of nutrition on our thyroid. We quickly discuss supplements for thyroid health and finally, how we can boost and support our metabolic health. Don't forget to pause this podcast and hit subscribe, as the more subscribers we get, the higher in the charts we rank. Thank you so much for your support, guys, and here's today's episode with Lacey. Welcome, Lacey, to our podcast today. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so, so much for having me. This is such an honor. I'm so excited. So thank you so much for asking me to come on your podcast and share my knowledge with your listeners. Yeah, honestly, the honor is all mine. You're such an expert in this area and I got asked so many questions all the time. So I'd love for you to just um, leave our listeners with all of your knowledge today. But obviously, let's start with the basics. I'd love for you to give our listeners a little bit more of a background on just, I guess, um, who you are as a dietitian, the different things that you do on a day-to-day basis as well, running your own business. Yeah, and if anybody hears any squeaking... That is my three-legged dog, Gabe, trying to play with his um, his toy as we do this podcast. <laughs> so what was the question again? Just tell our listeners, I guess, a little bit about yourself, Lacey, and the different things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So my name is Lacey Dunn. I am a registered dietitian out of Houston, Texas, and I am a functional medicine dietitian, and I work with a lot of women who suffer with 
hormonal imbalances, thyroid disorders, gut infections, and also with bodybuilding. So a lot of people that want to change their body composition. I really am focusing on helping women to reclaim their health, their hormones, and their body and be the master of their own metabolism. So I got started originally with bodybuilding, and then it was my own struggles that got me so uh, so interested into hypothyroidism, which then once I learned about the thyroid and how that greatly impacted the whole entire body, uh, from your sex hormones to cortisol to digestion, I became a complete nutter nerd. And now I cannot stop learning every single day. I kid you not, that's what my day-to-day looks like. Client work, client calls, researching, and Netflixing. And of course, playing with my dog. So I love what I do and I'm really excited to share it. And I love that there's like a little sneaky Netflix in there as well. We got to have that downtime, don't oh, we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Now I was going to ask you, um, like what made you want to specialize in women's health, thyroids, hormones, but I guess it stems from your own. Did you have your own personal struggles with this or it was just more from research you were doing for clients, which made you more and more interested in it? Yes. Hands down. It started with, you know, well, at first I was learning about it in my master's degree and we were learning about thyroid hormones, iodine, iron, and how all the cofactors were important. And I wanted to kind of like bring all the knowledge to the forefront, going from clinical to more general, that way I could get a better picture of it. And I started reading the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution by Aviva Ram. And I was fascinated I was as I was reading it. And then I started noticing, oh my God, these symptoms sound like me. I'm struggling with these symptoms. Mm. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to check my thyroid. And I kid you not, I was hypothyroided. So I was definitely, it was like, you know, my body just knew just to focus on that knowledge. And after that, it, I have never stopped. I'm just completely obsessed. And I work with my clients all the time with helping with hypothyroidism, but I'm not just obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with cortisol imbalances and gut health, SIBO, candida, H. pylori, like you name it. Anything and everything I have come to be obsessed with because of my original problems with my thyroid. And I'm happy to say I am a hypothyroid warrior, or I was before my recent wisdom tooth cavitation, but I have been there, done that, and I know the struggles women go through. And that's what makes me so happy to be in my field is because I really can hold my client's hand and I understand what they're going through. hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's just, I guess, break it down and start with the basics for our listeners at home. So what would you say would be some signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalances for our listeners at home thinking, oh my goodness, I've never, I don't even know what a thyroid is or what it does. What would be some of the sort of what we would call red flags um, of somebody of maybe who was suffering with some hormonal imbalances? Yeah, that's a great question. So the easiest thing to ask yourself is, are you having an irregular menstrual cycle? Mm -hmm. Do you have heavy PMS, painful periods, bloating, mood swings, irritability, headaches or migraines, histamine intolerance, anxiety or depression, tender swollen breasts, abnormal weight gain, um, acne, low libido, vaginal dryness, insomnia, dry skin, um, sugar cravings, hot flashes, um, chronic fatigue, mid-cycle spotting. It goes literally, I could just keep going. I could keep going. Yeah. And normal facial hair, um, being cold all the time, hair loss, bone loss. So it, these, I kid you not, it goes on and on and on. Mm. And I'm going to have a really hard time keeping this and podcast. And that's the struggle here. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to have a hard time keeping this podcast under an hour because I could ask you about every single area individually, but I won't. But there's some really good things, I guess, for our listeners at home who hopefully sort of have perked up and are sitting up and going, oh, oh my goodness, that sounds like me. So my next question for you, Lacey, would be, 
What are some common trends that you see regarding our thyroid and our hormone health? Do you see some some of these things coming together or linking together in terms of trends? Hands down, two birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> and I like to describe it as your hormonal symphony. So if one thing goes wrong, most likely the rest of the performance is going to be thrown off because your hormones are very much BFFs. Mm -hmm. Um, if you think of them like Charlie's angels, you have testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone, and they all like to do things together. So typically when I see estrogen dominance, I see hypothyroidism. When I see low progesterone, I see hypothyroidism or same versa for all these other issues. And the struggle is they all interact and impact each other. So you really have to test and not guess too, because one symptom of another condition like estrogen dominance can also look like having high testosterone or low testosterone. And you really have to figure out what is the true root cause and are they going together? What's happening? It's very much, it's so intertwined and beautiful. And that's why I love it. It's an intricate symphony. Love it. Yeah. So for our listeners at home, I guess the last thing that I heard you mention was something like, you know, like sugar cravings, for example, if you had that in isolation, you're like, well, maybe just my diet's not as balanced. But for example, if you had sugar cravings and um, terrible libido and irregular periods and your energy was just you know, crap, even after like a really good night's sleep, that's where you'd sort of see some of those trends and some of these, um, I guess, symptoms coming more together, wouldn't you? Yes, exactly. They don't, they don't really ever come in isolation. Mm. That's the hard part is you can't really pinpoint a specific symptom, but yes, definitely. That's a great example. Mm. And a lot of women go, I can't put my finger on it, but something's not right. Like I just know there's something not right with me. Do you know what I mean? Which is sort of the telltale sign to be like, all right, let's investigate a little bit further. Let's go and see a professional about this. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. And then in terms of, I guess, like testing for things like irregular hormones or um, your thyroid and that sort of thing, would, I guess, just your regular standard GP be a great starting place? Would you recommend for your clients? In general, yes, you could go down the route of PCP. So typically when it comes to testing, I like to go down the route of hormone labs like estradiol, progesterone, free testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, DHA sulfate, prolactin, FSH, and LH typically in the blood. Um, then there's, of course, thyroid labs like TSH, free T4, free T3, and then, of course, TPO and TGAB antibodies to um, make sure that somebody's not Hashimoto's. And I can dive into, like, my brain wants to go in, like, five billion directions. But <laughs> so with hormones for labs, the most important thing to remember is this is a snapshot in time, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to go five to seven days before your menstrual cycle because you want to see where that progesterone and that estrogen are peaking during your luteal phase of your cycle. So we have estrogen that's predominating during your follicular phase. It rises, 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 hits a peak. Then you have LH and FSH spark ovulation. Then ovulation occurs and then you enter your follicular cycle. And then once you are in there, progesterone steadily rises all the way up until it hits a peak, drops down as estrogen pops a little back up. And then you have your period ending that uh, luteal phase. So you want to go five to seven days before your menstrual cycle. That's in your luteal phase. And we want to check that peak. Now, the struggle here is you cannot check the metabolites of your estrogens at this time or the metabolites of your testosterone. So our testosterone, we have essentially like two different types. We have androsterone and etiocalanolone. Androsterone is three times more androgenic than etiocalanolone. So it produces what's called DHT. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but think meal pattern, hair loss, oily skin, acne, and insulin issues. So think of PCOS, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't see that. 
when you're just doing blood. So a lot of women with quote unquote PCOS um, or have this, this issue. And then the facial hairs and heritism is of course what the side effects too, but they'll look at their free testosterone and it might be normal in the blood, but unless you're doing something like a Dutch test, which I use with my clients, you can't look at that adioclanone versus the androsterone. So you don't get to see that DHT. And then that free testosterone might look normal and they really have a normal 5-alpha reductase activity, which is what those two pathways are saying. And then if you're looking at the estrogen, then we have your estrogen metabolites and, ha- and your estrogen metabolization that you cannot check via blood. So if you just look at estrogen on that five to seven day with your blood, you don't know what your phase one and phase two and phase three estrogen detoxification looks like which is a problem because if you have estrogen dominance and you have an issue with phase one metabolism or phase two metabolism, and you're not correcting that, you can cause more harm than good. For example, and sorry, I get a tangent, and I hope your listeners don't mind. No, I'm sure they love it. <laughs> if you are trying to push yourself down phase one, but you have problems with phase two, you're not going to get it moving. So think of phase one, like filling up a bathtub with water. Phase two is draining the bathtub with water. Phase three is getting that water to the sewer. So phase one and two happen in your liver. Phase three is poop life. (laughs) So if you can't get that water to even drain, it's just going to fill, 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 fill back up and keeps recirculating into your system. So that's why I love the Dutch test. And that is the downside of doing blood is you can't see that phase one and that phase two and that phase three. Oh, absolutely fascinating. So I'm a big fan of that Dutch for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that I think you being an American, me being in Australia is something that's done traditionally through like a private sort of um, pathology sort of testing clinic, isn't it? Not something that's done as a part of a standard um, sort of GP practice clinic. Right. Unfortunately, really no insurance company covers it. You can't order it by yourself. It's just extremely expensive. Hopefully it'll cheapen up the next coming years. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess I have a question for those at home. You're talking a lot about like cycles and, you know, wanting to do some of these testing about five to seven days before our cycle. What if someone at home is on some sort of like contraception or something like that? And they're like, I don't even know when like five or seven days before my cycle might be. Do you have any, I guess, recommendations for those sorts of people who might be on um, um, pills or um, the insertion rods and that sort of thing? Yeah. So if you're on a hormonal birth control, your estrogen and your progesterone are going to be tanked anyway, because your body taking exogenous, your body downregulates its own endogenous output. So those are going to look low and it's going to be like, oh my God, I'm at postmenopausal levels. No, you're just on birth control. That's normal. (laughs) And same goes for like the Marina and the Skyla um, hormonal IUDs. Wonderful. So I guess the results of those things would still be quite accurate, even if they are on, um, you know, hormonal contraception. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, unless your period is crazy on hormonal birth control and it shouldn't be like you're, you're getting periods and you shouldn't be, or you're getting mid cycle spotting and you shouldn't be, I would say skip over progesterone and estrogen with the blood test. Cause it's going to be low anyway, since you're on birth control. You can check testosterone, which birth control does decrease your testosterone levels. So that is always good to check. Yeah, definitely. Now, switching gears, um, let's talk about cortisol because I get a lot of questions around cortisol and fat storage and that sort of thing. So can we do a little bit of a quick cortisol one-on-one, I guess, rundown and tell our listeners like what it is and why it's so important for our overall health and well-being and if we can actually test for it as well? Cortisol can be an absolute demon. Oh my goodness gracious. So when it comes down to cortisol, cortisol is not bad when it is acute. So acute cortisol we want if there is 
inflammation or we get sick or we get injured, right? So that helps us with that inflammatory response, Mm -hmm. gets rid of oxidative damage, helps our immune system. But it's when cortisol becomes chronically high that there becomes an issue. So I want your listeners to think insomnia, pains, aches, waking up in the middle of the night, feeling like you got hit by a truck in the morning, blood sugar swings, orthostatic hypotension, all these signs are symptoms of cortisol imbalances. So we want cortisol to be acutely high, but we don't want it to be chronically high. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Stress, as we know, can be good or bad. And so we kind of want it like the three little bears scenario where Goldilocks, you know, she finds her porridge and it's not too hot or not too cold. That's what we want. We want it just right. Um, So your short-term stress is okay, but we don't want it to become that long-term stress. And just so that your listeners know how it like the stress response works. So when you have a stressor that's noticed, your hypothalamus releases a hormone that's called corticotropin releasing hormone. Um, and then you also have a release of what's called arginine vasopressin hormone. And then these hormones then trigger the release of adrenocorticotropin hormone so ACTH, and that's from your pituitary, which then triggers your adrenal gland to release cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and aldosterone. So we have those releases, right? And then this causes the mobilization of fat, amino acids, and glycogen in your body, allowing for energy use, aka it thinks there's a tiger running at you and it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So it releases all these nutrients in order to get you away from your tiger. And then we have an increase of the sympathetic nervous system here, which increases your blood pressure, your heart rate, constriction of blood vessels, um, and of course, slows your digestion and motility. So basically, when you have a stressor, your hypothalamus releases these chemicals that tells you that there's a tiger running at you. It increases the mobilization of nutrients in your body to give you energy to get away from the stressor. And then you're supposed to get away. But it's when you have that high, 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 high sympathetic nervous system and you have all these things going on for so long that the havoc happens. Absolutely. And I think that, I guess for our listeners at home, an example of like that, I guess a healthy level of cortisol would be say if you went and you did a really intense workout where you're going to have some of that cortisol peaking and then after the workout, you start to warm down, you start to return to normal. That's okay in terms of having those cortisol spikes, but it's coming back down again. But it's really where we're having those high cortisols constantly, isn't it? Because it's like from our workout, from work stress, from relationship stress, from lack of sleep, from poor nutrition, that we really run into problems, isn't it? Exactly. Like cortisol, don't get me wrong. Cortisol is not all bad. Stress is not all bad. It regulates our blood sugar and our blood pressure. It helps us maintain our sleep and our wake cycle. It helps in our immune system and our insulin sensitivity. So there's a lot of good things about cortisol. It's just when it gets chronically high for so long, that's when we have the phases of the cortisol adaptation response. Mm. And is there any, I guess, like evidence-based way to test for chronically high cortisol or to know if you have cortisol imbalances? Yes. So you can do a salivary four-point cortisol test. You can also do a urine four-point cortisol test. And that is going to help you figure out what your cortisol looks like at picture points throughout the day. So never just check AM cortisol or just PM cortisol, because that's just just a screenshot in that one particular time. And you don't know what your total cortisol production is. You don't know if your cortisol maybe rebounded in the evenings, or maybe it's extremely low during the morning, but high at night or high in the morning, low at night. So there's a lot of things that can happen, especially when you're entering that phase two of cortisol dysregulation. Mm -hmm. So four points being for, um, I guess, time sessions throughout the day. Four points during the day, Yeah, right? So 
as soon as you wake up, 12 p.m., 5 p.m., nighttime. Love it. Yep. So you're going to get a much more accurate representation. Right. Right. There's about four different stages, I call them, of that cortisol adaptation response. So making sure you do a four-point cortisol allows you to better see where you're at. Love it. And then in terms of nutrition, how does that help or hinder our cortisol levels within our body? Heavily. Oh my gosh. So we have to have balanced blood sugar levels in order to balance our cortisol. So if we have a spike in blood sugar and then we have a rapid drop, say when you eat a refined carbohydrate or you're not balancing your food intake, um, then what happens is our body or we have fasting, right? So if you're having prolonged fasting, this happens too. Your body outputs that cortisol Remember the fight or flight response, right? So your body outputs that cortisol to get your liver and your muscles to release glucose into your bloodstream that spikes up cortisol. So if we are fasting a lot, if we're skipping meals, if we're not balancing our blood sugar, our cortisol can just go, whoop, keep going up, whoop, keep going up. And then if you're at night and you're not having a good meal before you go to bed, say you just had a refined carbohydrate and you didn't have enough fat or protein, well, you might be waking up in the middle of the night with low blood sugar and that's your cortisol spiking you up, waking you up in the middle of the night. And over time, if you have these drops and spikes and you're causing all this chaos back and forth and back and forth, you start being less resilient to cortisol. Awesome. And then you mentioned um, a lot about fasting and that's sort of something that's been, you know, heavily talked about in the media, particularly from like a fat loss perspective. I'm assuming that you're not a fan of intermittent fasting, particularly for females, just based on our hormones and our, you know, cortisol levels and that sort of thing. Interestingly, I am. I love fasting. I do it myself, even though it's not good for a lot of women. (laughs) Yeah. I do think it's still beneficial. I'm mm. heavily, I'm obsessed with fasting because there's so much data to talk about its um, anti-inflammatory and longevity purposes. And I'm excited about where that research is continuing to go. It shows that fasting is not detrimental, you know, on muscle loss as long as you're eating enough dietary protein and calories and of course not over-exercising and under-eating. But I'm a big fan of fasting. However, if somebody is in that adaptation phase or if they are in low cortisol, they do not need to be doing fasting. So fasting has its perks and a lot of people can be susceptible, especially if they have, you know, like a genetic mutation, like a comp gene situation. Um, But I am a fan of fasting, even though like it's it's hard because it's not good for, for a lot of women with hormone imbalances, but at the same time it is, it's very much like a person by person thing. So I like to really watch my clients say, I want to do fasting. We want to watch their cortisol and how their hormones and their thyroid are doing. Mm. Cortisol, this is the one thing a lot of people don't know. Cortisol actually blocks your thyroid hormone from getting into the cell. So you can have normal thyroid hormone levels in the blood and feel hypothyroid. And it's cortisol because high or low cortisol blocks that thyroid hormone from getting into the cell. And if it can't get into the cell, it can't do its job. So you can feel extremely hypothyroid and at the same time have normal quote unquote thyroid levels. So all this interconnects. Yeah. I was going to say, is it a correct assumption that a lot of people with thyroid problems also have, you know, um, problems with their cortisol, but actually working on those problems with cortisol might actually help their thyroid problems as well. Right. All interplay together. So fascinating. And then let's chat a little bit more about thyroid health. Can we do a quick little, I guess, 101 on thyroids for our listeners at home and just sort of say why, you know, a healthy functioning thyroid is so important and what we can do if some of those thyroid um, hormones are off or we've got hyper or hypo? Of course. And you guys, again, I apologize for my dog. He is just loving talking to you guys right now. 
So I like to say the thyroid is the powerhouse of your metabolism. So just like the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, your thyroid is the powerhouse of your metabolism. So it plays critical functions in regulating your metabolism, your body weight, and your energy levels. Not only that, but also regulates your heart rate, your blood pressure, body temperature, appetite, cholesterol, lipid metabolism, digestion, like everything, everything. I want you to think your thyroid is the powerhouse of your entire body, okay? And so your thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland found at the base of your neck, just below the larynx. And it's in charge of fueling almost every cell function in your entire body. So your thyroid can decide if you lose weight, have energy, or fatigued. If you have a normal or irregular menstrual cycle, feel depressed or anxious, it's, it's involved in every single thing. So the most important thing is to know how your thyroid works, okay? So your thyroid works like a thermostat. So we have essentially a couple of hormones here. We have TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. We have T4, we have T3, and then we have reverse T3. And then we have TPO and TG antibodies. So T4 thyroxine, that's the inactive form of thyroid hormone. And it's the storage form. It then converts into either reverse T3 or T3. So T3 is the active form of your thyroid hormone. And that is responsible for the work. It has to be T3 to be active. Reverse T3 competes with T3, and this is what is converted from reverse T4 in terms of stress, infection, and cortisol dysregulation, as well as nutrition deficiencies. Um, The TSH is a hormone produced by your pituitary gland that stimulates your thyroid to produce that T4 or T3. And then we have the TPO antibodies and the TGAB antibodies. So those distinguish if you have Hashimoto's, which is essentially autoimmune attack of your thyroid. So your thyroid works by essentially that thermostat, like I said. So overall, when your thermostat reads that T4 or T3 is low, TSH starts to spike up, indicating hypothyroidism. And then when your your thermostat reads T4 and T3 is being high, TSH drops, indicating hyperthyroidism. Now, it doesn't always follow this case. So that's suspecting that your pituitary is reading your thermostat properly. But that is not always the case. You can have TSH that can be normal, and yet your T4 and T3 levels are low. So your thermostat's not working. And this is what is called subclinical hypothyroidism or cellular hypothyroidism. So that is the struggle is a lot of different practitioners, they get stuck on seeing TSH and they're like, oh, TSH is low. So she's hyperthyroid or TSH is high. So she's hypothyroid. It doesn't work that way because the pituitary does not always respond to the cellular levels and the serum levels. So just so your listeners know, a a full thyroid panel is TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, TPO antibodies, and TGAB antibodies. Amazing. And I'm assuming that they should all come back normal, sort of within range for a healthy functioning thyroid. Right. And it's it's hard too, because huh, there's different nor- quote unquote normal values. Um, but what's most important is that you are making sure that those antibodies are down. Definitely. And then with nutrition, just like with cortisol, how does good or poor nutrition help or hinder our thyroid health? Is our thyroid something that can be heavily influenced by nutrition or not? Heavily. Oh my gosh. So we need um, specific nutrients like iodine, selenium, zinc, iron, B vitamins, protein, vitamin A, vitamin D, um, dietary carbohydrates. We need all this to have proper T4 to T3 conversion. So remember, T4 is inactive, T3 is active. If we can't get to the active, we can't have our thyroid hormone work. So that's the most important thing. We need to have proper levels of conversion. 
and your diet plays a huge role in that. So if you don't get, if you don't get all your nutrients, if you have a low intake of vegetables, fruits, amino acids, a low protein intake, low carbohydrate intake, like a keto diet, you could be spelling a recipe for disaster on your thyroid. If you have environmental toxins, stress, inflammation, um, heavy metal toxicity, maybe you're, you're, you have a low calorie dieting. You might be pushing yourself to reverse T3, which competes with T3, and then you're not getting T3 that you need. Um, so there's a lot of different things that can go on. And then you have food intolerances, which can also stop conversion. So if you're eating something that you shouldn't, like maybe you have issues with gluten or dairy and you're eating gluten and dairy, you're causing issues on your thyroid. But also that's not a blanket, I guess, um, thing for everybody with thyroid conditions is, you know, go and cut out gluten or dairy, is it? It's sort of that very individualized. No, it's if you have specific food intolerances. And then in terms of nutrition, again, are you someone particularly around thyroid health that is pro-supplementation for a thyroid? I am pro-food first, Mm -hmm. food and lifestyle first. So I always say focus on maximizing the nutrition content of your diet. So think leafy greens, cooked cruciferous vegetables, lots of fiber, fruits, proteins, healthy sources of fats. And then if you are deficient and you've tested and you're deficient in a micronutrient, that's when you supplement. So I do see a lot of hypothyroid patients deficient in selenium or iodine and iron or vitamin D. So I do supplement if they're deficient, but don't just throw yourself supplements, especially with iron. If you aren't low in iron and you throw your, well, both iron and iodine, if you're not low in iron or iodine and you throw that on yourself, you can cause yourself to have more issues especially if you have Hashimoto's, you will exacerbate your Hashimoto's and you will put yourself into thyroid toxicosis, which is life-threatening. I love that. And we have the exact same stance on supplementation. I always say to my clients and and my listeners at home, if you have a clinical deficiency, absolutely go and supplement. If not, more is not necessarily better. And there are so many people who go, you know, I eat a good healthy diet. Let's just take a couple of extra supplements, like just in case almost. So I love that we have the same belief around that with supplementation as well. I love that. Yes. I'm all about food and lifestyle first, hands down. Lovely. And then Lacey, lastly, for our listeners at home, I don't think we can talk about cortisol and thyroid and hormones without really talking about our metabolism as well. So there's so much, I guess, just BS online about like, do this to boost your metabolism or do this exercise or take these pills to boost your metabolism. But when we think about evidence-based nutrition, what can our listeners do at home to support and boost their own metabolic health? The best thing that you could do is not under or overeat. That's the best thing you could do is know how much food you need in order to maintain your current body weight and focus on food quality. So inflammation is the root cause of disease, is the root cause of developing issues with your mitochondria, with your thyroid, with your hormones. Focus on food quality. Make sure you have all your necessary micronutrients, balance your blood sugar, don't skip meals, focus on stress reduction, and also look at endocrine disruptors in your day-to-day life because those can wreak absolute havoc on your entire health. So, you know, what you wash your body with, your skincare, using filtered water, um, having good air quality, all those, in my opinion, matter just as much as your food. And of course, how you speak to yourself also, because that is the one thing that holds people back from healing. If they have any health issue, especially with hormones, if they try and pressure themselves into healing, they will not get better. So I always like to remind people of that. You have to keep your mindset 
and your spiritual health in the forefront as well. Mm, love it. He- very holistic based, which is absolutely what I, I am. I am, yes. Yeah, yeah. Talk to as well, which I love it. All right, Lacey. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and you are just an, oh my goodness, a wealth of knowledge in these areas. And we're going to bring you back for another podcast on PCOS. So for our listeners at home who have more specific questions around PCOS, this is one of Lacey's specialties as well, but we didn't go into it in this podcast because we, you know, we could have been here for hours. So we will do another one with you. But Lacey, just for our listeners at home, can you let us know your social media handles um, and how our listeners can get in touch with you and whether or not you offer online consultations and if they're worldwide or they're just in America. Yeah, of course. So if anybody wants to find me and follow me, I am Faith and Fit on Instagram. I also have my own podcast, which you got to come on, Uplift Fit Nutrition. And I actually am coming out with a book, The Women's Guide to Hormonal Harmony. So be on the lookout for that on Amazon. And I do work with anybody worldwide. So if you want to work with me, just head on over to upliftfitnutrition.com and connect with me. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat again soon. Amazing. I'm so excited for your book as well, Lacey. Thank you so much for coming on again.